really bad and really good are really close. That's what you learn as you get older. Welcome to the best of Why Not Both, the podcast where we chat with people all about how their multiple passions inform their sense of identity and how they navigate through the world. For these episodes, we are picking clips from some of our interviews throughout the years, and that way you can have a little appetizer, a little teaser, if you will, so you can get a feel for some of our guests and some of our interviews. If you like what you hear, you can actually click on the episode description and head on over to the full episodes that are linked there so you can hear our full conversation. Or you can come hang out with us on social media. We're pretty much everywhere as WNB, the podcast. This episode features clips from our interviews with David Duchovny, William Shatner, and John Hopkins, which is why I decided that this episode is really the best of space, both outer and inner. I hope that you enjoy. First up, we've got David Duchovny. I don't think I feel different internally. I mean, I think I'm, I feel like I'm set. You know, I've been an adult for quite a while. I mean, it's not that things can't hurt me or change my thought or, you know, I can't get up, I can't get down, you know, whatever. Of course I can, but like my general lens of looking at things is, is pretty much what it's been for a while. It's just my tools for uh, to be able to express that are, I feel, get more varied and get better. I get better at it. So it gets closer to what I feel. Um, I, 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 I get better at making whatever I'm doing match up more closely with the inspiration and and the kind of unworded existence of the things inside me and give them words or give them notes or, you know, I just, I think I get better at executing whatever that expression is, whether it's acting or writing or making music. Um, I hope I get better. Uh, so, but the inside, I don't think that changes. just like the expression changes. Mm. So the, expression um, the inside changes. That's an interesting way to put it, especially as, I was chatting with someone about how much I enjoy getting older for that reason. Is that I think aging gets a bad rap, but I get really excited because that means I get to learn more stuff and iterate on the things I'm doing and discover new ways to express myself. Yeah, I and mean, you hope for for wisdom, right? You know, rather than knowledge. And and uh, <clears throat> I hope that that comes through. I think, shit, I don't know. I mean, it's like, Sometimes I think, well, I've said everything I want to say. And then all of a sudden I'll have this new thing that's demanding that it come out in a different way. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. And then you're going to say different things because, it, as you said earlier, the necessity. Now you've got this thing that's asking for work. It's asking for you to put yourself into it. Um, that's exciting. So I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> that's kind of the best when projects sneak up on you well as a writer um as a novel writer uh the cliche is 
you know, if you're not surprising yourself, you won't surprise the reader. So uh, I have felt that way. You know, I've felt very surprised. Uh, as an actor, I certainly feel that way. I, I feel like, oh, wow, that was that was different. I didn't, I, we rehearsed it and then, you know, I knew it and we did it three times. And then that fourth time, something happened. Something really good happened or really bad. Something different. <laughs> That's, those are the best times. And really bad and really good are really close. That's what you learn as you get older. Oh, like yeah. Good and bad. Good and bad are here. There's good over here and bad over here. But really good is here and really bad is here. <laughs> yes. Oh. That, as you can see, I was like, well, that landed. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Yeah, and that, that's the danger. Yeah. Because like, I can be like, I'd be like, oh, I'm coming out with this really good thing. I know it, it's really good. And then it's like, oh, no, that was actually really bad. That was really bad. <laughs> well, and in some ways, it's not that I aim for really bad. Obviously, I'm aiming for really good. But yeah. sometimes I know that I put something out that actually was affecting in a way when I actually get people saying like that it made them uncomfortable or they didn't like it. Like sometimes right. I'm hearing people's feedback that they didn't like something. Like I think I'd rather actually hear that than just someone saying, oh, yeah, it was okay. Oh yeah, okay is the worst. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, ew. Oh god, I oh, I got to do something better than that. Jeez. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if you get really bad or uncomfortable from a person, you know, you, you have to take that in and go, okay. There's two things going on here. Possible things. One is just that person is telling me more about themselves than they really need to. Or two, I should look at that. You know, maybe I missed, maybe, maybe I did screw up, you know, maybe I didn't do what I was thinking I was doing and let's learn from that. Right. Well, and that goes back to like, if people's perceptions of you have changed or people's perceptions of your work, especially as you are putting out work in so many different. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I no longer know what people's perceptions. I think, I mean, my, my, my fear is that they're uh, frustrated and tired of me and <laughs> things like, oh, please cut it out or whatever. Like, why can't you just be happy being what we thought you were doing? You know, why don't you keep doing that? Um, uh, then I'm also afraid, like, if I'm trying to do really good things, in all these different venues, am I, am I going to be able to do it? Or will I just be able to kind of dabble, you know, mm -hmm. as I, and not really sink my feet down and, you know, take a swing. So hell if I know, I don't know. I mean, I just know that it's interesting to me to try to do different things. And it's, it's like trying to look at the same thing from different angles for me. Yeah, it's like you said, it's expressing these different things in different ways, because I think that dabblers get a bad rap in our society. There's a lot of narratives around dabblers that we're dilettantes or that we're doing something wrong, or that if you don't jump all the way and you're not committed to the thing you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of like the method actor business, like, oh, my God, they really, you know, they lived it. They lived it. And I was like, yeah, and it still sucked. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm like, I don't think you need to do the Christian Bale yo-yo diet to like do a good job. Um, bless Christian Bale, but yes, I was just like, that's that's spicy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, I think that what you said is that unifying factor is you're looking at expression, but you're looking at expression from different angles. So in a way, you are jumping feet first into expression. It's just that you're mm -hmm. all the different facets. It's just that, okay, if my goal is to express and to tell stories, like how am I going to do that? Look at all these different ways right. to do that. Yeah. And I guess there's a, you know, there, there, there may be like a misperception. Oh, he wants to be a rock star or, oh, he wants to be a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. Now, that would be nice. That would be fine. I wouldn't say no, but honestly, I didn't get into those things to do that because... I was lucky enough to have like major recognition in one area that should be enough to last anybody a few lifetimes. And while I do enjoy being recognized um, in the other areas as well, uh, I don't have the same kind of ambition to reach that kind of level of mm -hmm. like eyes or, and or like, is this album a failure if it doesn't sell as many as people who watched the other stuff that I've done, you know, right. like to me, that's not really how I look at it. And um, so I guess a misperception would be I'm attempting to get to a certain place when in fact I'm at the place I want to be. And I'm just kind of telling you what it's like there through this album or through this novel or um, you know, whatever. Uh, I can't control the rest of it. You know? Yeah. And I, and I, I'm way too old to want to be a rock star. You know? like, <laughs> do I love the fact that I could go and, you know, fill a 3000 seat place as a musician? Yeah. Do I care that people were coming because they knew me as an actor? But not really but I care what they think when they leave, you know? Right. Like, when it comes down to kind of why are you creating things? Because that's interesting that you had that fear of like, why can't you stay static? Why can't you kind of be almost like, I don't know, kind of held in resin in people's minds as this one thing. And it's like, well, you're not static. You're a human being. Of course you're going to do a bunch of different stuff. Well, but I do also understand that we have, a limited amount of, and I hate using this word because I don't even know what it means, bandwidth to, to uh, for me, uh, in a, like, theorized public. Like, 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 I know that people have a conception of me from this work or that work, probably two major works, and they probably, you know, and then there are real fans that, I get it. I'm the same way. I want to think of uh, who, uh, like here's Wall Stevens. I want to think about him as a poet. Like if he started acting, I might be a little annoyed. I'd be like, no. I mean, I I don't have time to think about him as an actor. <laughs> you know, like I have my own life to live. I I thought I had him in this little place, and I was fine with him there. I liked him. He's cool. I like him. Now no, don't leave me alone. Don't make me change the way I think. So that I think there's a little bit of that. At least in my mind it goes on. Yes. And you're doing a podcast which is really about that, which is interesting. 
Thank you. Yeah, I find it yeah. fascinating that we still have this narrative that people are one thing and also of how to how to conceptualize of ourselves as multiple things, but how to give other people that freedom as well. Because you're right, we do sometimes have calcified ideas of who someone is and then we're reluctant to change them because change yeah. is sometimes scary. It's unpredictable. And so we're like, oh God, now I have to think about this in this different way, but I've been fine thinking about it this other way. I mean, and also like just to think about the social upheaval in the last two or three years, we, 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 have, we have been forced, thank God, to reckon with, you know, sex and color in the last three years in, in ways that we, you know, we're all like, we're all and like our, you know, bandwidth, you know, like it's <laughs> taken up. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a, I, I guess it's all about trying to remain fluid, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Fluid and expression and giving people space to also have that same fluidity, because I find it very interesting when people are doing what you're doing, where you're just like, yes, I know you have this conception of who I am, but I'm also this other thing and you can choose to engage with it or you can choose to not engage with that side of me. Like I'm just showing you these are the different facets and that it's not like you have to hide those things. And now for William Shatner. How to? Okay, got it. There we go. Now, now you've mastered Zoom. I don't know whether anybody ever masters Zoom. I've been doing a lot of Zoom, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm always on the on the air, whatever you call it, fifteen, twenty, sometimes a half an hour early, because my anticipation is that something technically is going to go wrong. And you know what? Generally, I'm right. Generally, it does. And I have to scramble with uh, people who help me scramble to do whatever technically went wrong. And and sometimes it's my fault, but sometimes it's not. Like you got the wrong number or, or it doesn't work or there's something. Anyway, so. Well, the, you're, you're not alone. My parents accidentally crashed a Rosh Hashanah service that was not from their <laughs> temple. <laughs> Happy New Year anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was like, we'll be doing Rosh Hashanah online again this year. And so hopefully yeah. they got it down. <laughs> I was like, guys, how'd you do that? And I'm always like, if we knew, don't you think we would have told you? Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to Why Not Both, where occasionally Zoom works. <laughs> So we generally talk on this podcast about the gazillion things that everybody does. And, and you, sir, do a gazillion things. I am. I'm, uh, I'm enormously busy. What I'm, um, uh, I've, I guess over the course of my life, I've prepared inadvertently to handle the, this enormous rush of things that I'm doing. Like today, I started. At nine o'clock. Oh, goodness. And, you know, like every half hour, I'm doing an interview. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah. And phone calls to another event at that. And so it's it's been overwhelming and I'm not being overwhelmed. And it would be very easy to get overwhelmed, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't do that. So I'm good. Yep. Lots of interest. What do you do to help you not get overwhelmed? That's interesting. Good for you. Um, uh, to slow down 
and say, I don't have to be overwhelmed because I can deal with this right now and I will deal with the next thing in the next moment, but I can fully, rather than horses, as you may or may not know, are a passion. Well, I thought we would discuss Probably. that as well. But horses teach you to live in the now. Mm. Horses aren't worried about the lion that almost ate them yesterday and the lion that might eat them tomorrow. They're worried about the lion today. So right. they're looking around and they live in the now. So if you live in that moment and take care of that moment, like take care of this interview and give it my full attention, not worry about, well, I, did I do all right? Yeah, the last one. Oh, I've got another one. Coming. But just pay strict attention. Give this my full undivided attention without any thought that something came before and something coming after. That's the way to deal with it. I deeply appreciate that. Hmm. Actually, I meditated right before this interview because prior there were many things happening and after there will be many other things that happen. Maybe but I wanted not. to make sure Maybe that- Maybe it all, all ends with your meditation. You <laughs> into the ether and the one with the, well, how do you meditate? What are you doing? I actually practice transcendental meditation. So and you've it, got a mantra, which really is meaningless because you could take exactly. any mantra. Okay. Of course. And then, so you say that to yourself- Mm -hmm. Over a period of how much time do you allow? Um, when I have a really good one, I, I try to do 20 minutes at a time. I only okay. had time because I was in transit prior to this to you do were, 10 minutes. You were in transcendental on the transcendental. <laughs> right. You were going to uh, get your teeth fixed, so you were in transcendental. Uh, okay. The, um, but you don't need that mantra. What's interesting is for me, I had tried other forms of meditation and I'm not sure what kinds you've tried, but I found that I really liked this one because the mantra is almost like the key to the room, because I only think that sound, that series of phonemes when I'm about to meditate. Well, why don't you do your breath? You know, I, I tried that and I found it distracting unless I had gone through an, a really hearty exercise class or a yoga well, class. Well, you're distracted like, yeah. because you don't do it all the time. If you did it over, a, you could get used to anything that occupied your conscious mind uh, and allowed it to, whatever it does, filter into your unconscious, I suppose. You just need to lose your consciousness and allow yourself to go out Correct? Yes. Right. Yes. So anything can do that. That is true. I tried. I could try my breath again. I like that the mantra almost sparks. Well, no, why, why not? Just stick with yeah. your mantra. <laughs> well, it's good to be versatile. And have many mantras, like you have many passions. Exactly. And that way you have many entry points into that lovely just state of the collective universal unconscious. How nice to have yeah. a set of keys. Instead okay. Of so that. now that's the question, really, the collective unconscious. Yeah. What is the collective unconscious? Wonderful question. <laughs> I remember my dad once explained to me when I asked him about death, that it was just the interchange of matter and energy, that they just go back and forth. And so that's how I think of the collective unconscious. Oh, matter, it's that. the interchange between matter and energy. Yes. And that things, but that's a fusion. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, I think that might be nuclear fusion where, where one goes to the other. But I think. Well, of, well, well, stars go from or they're either building or 
or or dying right. and they go from material to fusion or fusion to material yes so what we're attempting to do on uh, uh, that kind of exercise is to match the universe and be part of that Yes, to kind of get in the but it is the collective energy. unconscious. It's the collective universe, isn't it? It's the collective everything. It's just yeah. to kind of settle in and just be okay, just just With being in that flow. Yeah, yeah. Just so I think some of that terminology is misleading. I agree. I think that sometimes words are inadequate to express things. Wow. To you, my dear. <laughs> Why, thank you. I will, I will cheers you with hydration as well. It's important. <laughs> so now that we've addressed the very nature of the fabric of reality, <laughs> you got a review of your album that was fantastic right before we hopped on the interview and it delighted me to hear about it. <laughs> That's right. So I was, I was about to tell you that uh, as we, as we um, actors, I suppose, anybody, directors, anybody who has created something, your first day on your podcast, uh, anybody who's created something, who's presenting somebody something to, to somebody else, whether it's a, a vast audience or an audience of one, you are presenting a, a gift of your imagination, I guess. And... So like a newborn, uh, here's my baby. Mm -hmm. What do you think of my baby? And the daddy, in your case, the daddy says, oh, my God, it's got your eyes. And you're like, yes, <laughs> it's got my eyes. But, honey, it's got your mouth. Yes, it's got my mouth. And you, you, you rally to the joy of the mutual love and acceptance of this newborn gift. So we do the same thing with a new entity, like in this case, this album called Bill, which is being released uh, in bits and pieces this next couple of weeks, and then the album itself, uh, September 25th. Mm -hmm. So I'm presenting this, okay? So yeah. now there are these interviews that I'm doing for it. And what I have found in the past is... The interviewers are privy to the material even before I am got the material. Oh All right. So now the person says, uh, and I say, I've got this album. They say, no, no, I've heard it. You've heard the album? How did you hear the album? Well, the people who asked me to interview you gave me the album and I played it. And now I'm talking to somebody who's heard, in this case, the album or saw the movie or right. before I have. And now here's the moment. I have to say, well, what did you think of it? And there's this pause as the person thinks about what they think of it, because they didn't expect to be asked, what do they think of it? There's this gap of a moment. And in that moment, the collective unconscious yes, rushes in. Is. What are they going to say about my baby? Does it look like me or does it look like George, <laughs> who, who was her lover before? Who? What are they going to say in that moment? Okay. And mm -hmm. I've had really good experiences about things I've presented 
to the first interview. And this gentleman said, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> That's the first review of my album. Congratulations. That a gentleman in the business <laughs> thought the album was so good that he was flabbergasted. In fact, I called, I, I've done this with Rob the Poet and Dan uh, Miller, the musician. The three mm -hmm. of us are partners, and we did this thing, this creation during the pandemic. And, yes. and so we're both in love with our property, but we haven't talked to anybody else. Right. This is the first person. So I called them before I got up. Did, uh, before I was doing you, I, I, uh, I, I called them. Of course. I, I left a message for Rob and I got a hold of Dan. And I said, the first word I've gotten is they were flabbergasted. And Dan started laughing. And I left the message for Rob. I so I've communicated with my two partners that our first review was flabbergasted. Isn't that, that something? Last but not least, the musician John Hopkins talking all about his music for psychedelic therapy. My understanding of psychedelic therapy itself is that perhaps that is an opportunity to not turn away from that thing that's frightening and perhaps you need to go there eventually. And I'm kind of maybe gearing up to that at some point. You know, I have never had an ayahuasca experience, for example, and I would be, I imagine I will at some point, you know, um, and you know, everything I've ever heard really about that is that it does tend to guide you into the difficult places so that you can process them. And I, I'm completely sure that I have all, as much stuff to process as anyone else. Um, but there is a difference in being in a kind of held space like that. And I'm, you know, most of the time I haven't been in that situation, I suppose, yet. Yeah. The idea of held space, I love that. And I love the idea of even your music that you created being a part of that held space, because especially like listening to it as I was, especially because it has like all the interesting binaural parts. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing to have that in a psychedelic guided experience so that that way you could integrate what came up afterwards or what feelings you had afterwards. Um, well, I had, I mean, when I was testing it, you know, near completion of the record, I was I did some listening ceremonies really with with Kesselman involved, and those sections you talk about, if by the binaural sections, I mean what I think of as the sections where it sort of moves outside into the mm -hmm. woods, and there's a few sections where that happens, and the, the the stereo field becomes really complex because we're using surround, you know, like speakers hung in trees, and then surround binaural microphones in the middle. Oh my so, god. It's that's how that effect is achieved. And I, when I was lying there on my studio floor listening to it um, in that state, I just became, I just was outside, you know, even yeah. my body wasn't, but I just the entire, I was in those woods, you know, which, which is a place I spent lots of time. And, you know, all the, all the recordings of real places on there are places that, you know, those are recordings from when I was there and um, uh -huh. not library recordings. It's like that's, those are experiences that I had and captured and put on um, into the album to, to try and translate as accurately as possible what it felt like, you know, to have those magical experiences in those places. Oh my gosh. I was like, 
you had speakers that explains everything i was like speakers hanging from trees <laughs> like, tell me more <laughs> so, yeah, well, i mean it's, it's so this is doing of a so one of the really nice things about this album is that it, it has three three of the tracks of collaborations with um one of my oldest friends a guy called dan who's who's credited as seven rays on the record and mm -hmm. um he yeah he lives on this beautiful farm in a secluded part of west country in england and um you know, we've he's been there for a long time, and I've been there many times to visit, and we've had, you know, really the most extraordinary DMT experiences there together. So, mm -hmm. a lot of the narrative of those sections comes from, I mean, like talking about the section we were just talking about, that feeling of moving outside. We all know that feeling when you you have a, a deep, really kind of almost out of body psychedelic experience that's so intense and then you go outside for a bit of air and there's there's sort of lingering traces of it but there's a real reset to that and then you go back in you know there is a very i wasn't aware that that's what i was actually trying to translate as i was doing it but when i listened back i'm like oh yeah that's that's that thing when you yes <laughs> you know and near the end when there's that owl um and you can hear like very quietly you turn it up you can hear like the sound of dan's um lighting his pipe. I think he had some cannabis and, um, you know, like at the end of one of these occasions. So he, he was recording these sounds with his microphones and oh. um, yeah, and sent them to me. And so I kind of incorporated a lot of our shared reality and shared mystical experiences in, in, into building this album. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> I made the mistake of starting to listen to it like over breakfast and then was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> this is not the place for this. <laughs> um, I was just like, hold up. Nope, 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 nope. Incongruous. Um, so <laughs> I, I changed things up. And then later in the evening after I'd like, you know, done, done the rest of my day, I was just like, okay, we're going to maybe like meditate and then listen to this. And, and that's what I did. And then I just listened to it like, in my room with one of my favorite candles and just like, you know, but I purposefully, I was listening to it on headphones um, right. and that did create exactly what you talked about where I love that you, the way that you said that of like in psychedelic experiences, it's almost like in meditation where you're kind of, you're here and you're not here. You're there and you're not there. You're, you're kind of like an electron. <laughs> you're just, you're moving around. Um, and it's I all true anyway, isn't it? Exactly. It really doesn't know how to define what you or we are in the first place. So you can become music entirely. If your consciousness is is nowhere but music, then in that time you are only music. Yes. And, and that's all that's real. And that's what you know, that's why I love making immersive music because yeah, genuinely can take you um, to a to a different place. You know? Yeah, it was very, it was a transportative experience. And I'd been listening to, um, I'd been listening to your album Singularity. Like during quarantine, there were like, I don't know what else to call quarantine, like the time of the panini. I have no idea because we weren't like necessarily in lockdown the whole time. But like, yeah. um, I'm in LA and at least like throughout most of 2020, I very, very, I'm so grateful that I can work from home. Yes, but yes, for the yes. most part, I was at home. And then in some ways, even this year, I just got used to being at home 
And like the, the regulations of not being at home were confusing. So like there definitely is a part of me that's like, I could just stay here. <laughs> um, but I had, I had to do things to like, you know, kind of spice things up. And so I would, I would be listening to different albums and definitely like I was listening to, cause that's why I put on your album over breakfast is that like, I would listen to your album singularity when I was like doing my morning journaling or when I was writing, like things like that. And it was so conducive to those brain states. And then when I put on this one, I was like, whoa, different experience. (laughs) (laughs) And it's nice that you point out because that is what I'm aiming for. I don't want to repeat what I'm doing. And I think that, you know, the album before Singularity, um, which was called Immunity, has a similarity. You know, they're not the same, but they're clear, they're clear, they're clear kind of twins in a way. and I didn't want to do a third one. I didn't want to do a triplet. So I thought, <laughs> you know, if I found immediately that removing percussion and removing traditional structured pieces of music opened up this whole like torrent of new inspiration and ideas. And um, what came with that is, a, yeah, very much a different mind state. And, um, <sighs> you know, and this was, this is, this album was born like in 2018. So it, it was, you know, I, I did the actual work on it through um, our longest period of lockdown, which was, well, I mean, some of it was done June and October last year, but then really the, the main tracks, the kind of heart of it was done between January and May of this year, which over in England was really a long and grueling, like very tough yeah. period. Um, yeah. But it wasn't really about that period so much it was it was stuff that had been that's been building my whole life and i've been ready just didn't have the perhaps the ability you know the actual the actual skills to turn that into something that can be listened to by someone else i kind of existed in my head perhaps and Mm. uh, existed in my dreams and in deeper parts of consciousness but wasn't really ready to come to the surface and then i had all those uninterrupted months right and then at the same time, I went, I was going through a breakup and a relationship that was extremely important to me and mm-hmm. someone I loved. And that was in January. And it's not a coincidence that the floodgates creatively opened after that. Wow. Um, they were kind of opening already, but then the breakup was like a catalyst to just uh, extraordinary grief and pain, turning that into it just, I was almost in a trance state coming into the studio every day, you know, walking mm-hmm. like walking really quite a long time to get there because I was I had to live out of my house for a bit while it was being um well I was having my own studio built in it but basically there was just this very surreal period where I wasn't even living at my house and I had to walk a long way in the winter every day which was actually amazing just to force you to be outside for two hours a day um and then I was just like following like it's at the beginning of the conversation just following this this thread this intuition this kind of spark like it's almost like you're in the woods and you can see something disappear around the next corner and you walk around <laughs> the corner and you can see it going over there to the left and disappearing again. You just, you're just following that. You don't <laughs> trust that that thing knows where to go. That's how it feels. And then eventually one day it's finished and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's what it was looking for. Like that's what it was. Yeah. That's, it, and that's. Yeah. It, it was really, it was really magical. And um, I suppose it's been such an experience to reveal it now because for a long time I didn't, it was only mine, you know, and I played it to two people and 
we had amazing experiences listening to it um on a psychedelic journey but we mm-hmm. two of my best friends but but mostly it was it was just for me for a while to and then and then suddenly now everyone is hearing it and it, and then suddenly people are like giving it marks out of 10 in the press and stuff like, well, hang on. <laughs> it, just, it just feels very different from normal where where you you obviously you know that's going to happen but normally you're like okay I, you know with singularity for example i'm not saying i didn't love love it i mean i was really proud of it and i am but it's it's definitely got um a conscious attempt to be a successful album on mm-hmm. it built into it which is important you know it has like big tracks and melodies that you can play in festivals and that's what i wanted to do and i wanted to bring a, a sort of spirituality into dance music that was kind of my mission mm-hmm. with that album but with this one i didn't have any mission statement apart from to follow that that spark of that light through the forest so so when you get it's basically just so what the conclusion that came to in the end was that this is kind of like a a portrait of the very deepest part of me like my soul this is like my actual soul translated into notes so it feels quite different when you then get given a mark out of 10 for it because you're like well i don't even know this person that's marked it how do they you know it's like so i've been i've been kind of finding it quite a valuable experience and at the same time quite difficult it being uh, you know being but what's been interesting is that for all i mean so, and some of the reviews have been great as well and that's lovely but what i've noticed is that it's the individual responses that have been you know it's not really it's not really one for perhaps wider press response to be to you know you can't really expect that necessarily to be good with this kind of album yeah but individual responses have been really unusual like amazingly powerful and um so it feels like there are some people that kind of tuned in to what to, to the energy of it and that's um you know this is uh yeah these are the risks you take i suppose when you put yourself out there and i, I wouldn't change any of it you know it's all it's all good really well it speaks to a certain vulnerability like when you're talking about even getting you know ratings i was just like I don't think that a soul can get a rating. Like you can't like, there's no <laughs> help for souls. You're not like, Oh, five-star review. <laughs> like- <laughs> it's funny that that's the thing. And I've never, never really felt anything like that before with other ones. Normally it's just like, okay, this is all just part of the job. But you know, if you truly show everything, if you reveal everything, even if it's in an abstract way and there's no mm-hmm. word, um, it's just a different thing entirely in a way. It's just like a different job. And um, yeah, there's not really a way of performing it either. So, but I did have this event in Austin um, where we played it back over four amazing speaker systems and one in every corner and people lying down on yoga mats in concentric circles mm-hmm. um, in the middle. And that was the first time it had been heard by more than three or four people at once. Mm. Yeah. It was so powerful. I mean, there were definitely people tripping in various ways in mm-hmm. that room. Mm-hmm. Um, probably quite a lot of them, to be honest. But it was, you could hear, you know, people like going deep into their breathing or you could hear bits of chanting, you could hear crying, you could hear, you could hear all kinds of reactions going on. And it was, yeah. it was so beautiful. And I felt so kind of, um, felt like we were all sharing something, you know, because I don't consider this as something that came from, me as and it's a very cliched sentence really but it is something that came through me you know this comes right. from comes from everywhere and in particular informed by the the plants that you know the mm-hmm. plant medicine behind it so 
I love that, really. It's amazing to get a chance to share that with everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Why Not Both? The Best of Space. If you liked what you heard, please head over to our show notes where you can find the full episodes so you can listen to the whole interviews. Also, please give us a subscribe, a five-star review, a like, whatever it is you do on your preferred podcast platform, because that helps more people listen to our show, which I think is pretty cool. Hopefully you think is pretty cool, too. You can also come and hang out with us on social media. We are on the majority of platforms under WNB, the podcast. Till next time. 